Welcome to Locked On Heat. On today's show, we continue our exit interview series with Wayne Ellington. We'll review Ellington's season and the chances the Heat will re-sign him. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for the Step Back, and I write for the Miami Heat's Tip-Off magazine. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romello, credentialed NBA writer who's covered the Heat for SB Nation and allyoucaneat.com. I cover the league at large for Fansided. You can follow me in my writing on Twitter at DRomel13. We are continuing our exit interview series today. They all follow the same basic format where we talk about one player per show, review his season with some pros and cons, and then answer some key questions about his future. Today we're looking at Wayne Ellington. So let's start with some pros, David. And the obvious one there, he's been my he was Miami's best three-point shooter last season. Hit a, hit them on a clip of 39.2%. Uh, had the six most three-pointers made in all of the NBA last season and at times was Miami's best source of offense. We saw that a lot, especially in the second half, that that third quarter lull that Miami would often get into. It was it was oftentimes Wayne Ellington who got him out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there were many times towards the end of the games where Miami had let a, a, a double-digit lead be built against them, and then they would have to kind of claw their way back into it. And well, Ellington, Wellington, Beef Wellington was the guy who was bailing them out more often than not. And that's just, you know, the, the proficient three-point shooting there, even though it did tend to trail towards the end of the season, it kind of dipped a little bit as far as the overall field goal percentage. Um, but at the same time, he was just bailing Miami out pretty consistently. And he was, as you said, one of uh, Miami's best sources for offense. I mean, Miami's on-off numbers speak to that. Uh, their offensive rating with Ellington on the floor, 112 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, that drops all the way to 102.5. So almost a 10-point per 100 possession difference from Wayne Ellington. I mean, this is a guy who spent his, most of his career going from one team to the other. So for a, there to be a 10-point difference, uh, a 10-point swing between when he's on the floor and off the floor, right. just speaks to how important he was. I mean, he was the biggest, that was the biggest difference beside, uh, of anybody on the roster besides Kelly Olenek, who in our exit interview series, we basically said was their most untradeable. important. <laughs> it was untradeable and the most important offensive player on the Heat right now. Ellington was right behind him as far as that difference between the on-off numbers go. I, um, I will add, as far as pros are concerned, I think you can't understate as much as it's been blown up and kind of become a, a you know tongue-in-cheek joke among Heat Twitter. I think the fact that Ellington has embodied the the work ethic and the Heat culture as much as he has the sense of professionalism that you get out of a, a multi-year journeyman that was not expected to make any kind of impact whatsoever. I think you can't overlook that. Like he is has been such a consummate professional in his two years there. And you and you listen to that fantastic podcast a couple months ago that he did with a Sports Illustrated's Rob Mahoney of the crossover, mm. where he just talked about what it was like to be a journeyman to have to figure out his role from one team to the next, and that no team was able to maximize what he did until he came to Miami. He he has bought in completely like we talk about so much about how players can thrive in Miami if they're in the right situation Ellington has embodied that as much as anybody I wanted to ask this later but I'll ask it now um, you look at a team like Philadelphia and how they're able to start JJ Redick because of the spacing he provides and how that just meshes with the other skills that these other guys have Joel Embiid being a low post threat Ben Simmons being a drive and kick guy Redick makes a lot of sense there but 
Marco Bellinelli was a huge pickup for them late in the season because he gave them another guy like Redick uh, to come in off the bench. So no matter what, they basically always had a primo three-point shooter on the floor next to Simmons or Embiid when they were staggering those minutes or whoever else was on the court. Do you think Wayne Ellington is more, and this lends itself to a conversation we're going to have later, but do you think Wayne Ellington is more J.J. Redick or Marco Bellinelli? I think he's more Redick, to be honest with you. I think he's a guy who who thrives more coming off his screens rather than creating his shot or being a catch-and-shoot type player. I, I think that's more what, in line with what Redick does, maybe somewhat undersized. Bellinelli's probably a little bit bigger, obviously not as athletic, but he's the kind of guy who, who can rise up over a defender if he has enough space there. I just don't think that Ellington's that type of guy. I think he needs to continue to work, again, around screens, multiple screens, in order to create just a little bit of space he needs. We saw that from we saw that from Redick in the playoffs, unfortunately, against Miami. He, and that's been his you know trademark throughout his career. So to me, he's a little bit more reminiscent of Redick. Do you agree or not? I think the other part that, that I get is that Ellington is a little bit more of a savvy basketball player. And you kind of get that with Redick, right? Like none of them are going to you know, have multiple assists per game, really, um, mm-hmm. you know, save for one here or there just because of the they, they participate to the flow of the offense. But what they're both, they both try really hard defensively, even if they're negatives defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they both just try really hard. And I don't know if I can really speak to that with Marco Bellinelli. And I don't know if he tries hard or not, but he's just, he's such a negative defensively that sometimes he's unplayable. And I just, I never felt that way about Wayne Ellington. There were times where he, he was on the, there were several occasions where he was on the floor at the end of games because he's able to hold his own defensively. And I, I think when he got to Miami, he was more Marco Bellinelli. And since undergoing the, the heat culture change, so to speak, he has become more J.J. Redick. He's not to that level yet, but I think he's closer to that side of the spectrum. And I think he could be a starter on a team that, with the right pieces around him. I don't think the Heat have those pieces necessarily. Yeah, but to that, is, to that point, you know, that's a great point you're bringing up there because look at what J.J. Redick was able to do. He was a complimentary player in Orlando, but he wasn't really a, a game changer by any stretch of the imagination. He had that one half season in Minnesota, uh, Milwaukee where he really didn't do much. And it wasn't until he was playing alongside three all-stars, potential Hall of Famers in Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Jordan that all of a sudden he became the J.J. Redick that we know today. Mm. So um, given that Miami's roster wasn't filled with that kind of superstar talent, I think you have to give some credit to Ellington that he may be better than Redick or maybe wow. more capable. I mean, I, I don't know. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but he certainly made more with less. Let's talk about the cons quickly because there's really not a whole lot. When you have a guy like Wayne Ellington on the contract he had and the yeah. production that he provided, there's not a lot of cons, but if we were going to list them off, um, I think that, you know, you mentioned this before, but he was a little bit of a streaky three-point shooter. Um, you look at the volume of, of three-pointers he took this season compared to other guys in the league who took a similar rate. Uh, you're looking at guys like Steph Curry, Joe Ingles, Paul George, um, and they were, and those guys were upwards of 40 percent, and in Joe Ingles' case, all the way up to 44 percent from three-point range. Ellington again being at 39 percent. If he was a little less streaky, you would hope that that could eclipse 40 percent and get up there, um, closer to those kind of guys. It's that's you know we're talking about one or two percent, and maybe at the end of the day. One bad month of three-point shooting really that hurt him. Um, but if we're, you know, for this in the spirit of what we're doing here, we are listing cons. Uh, and there's, you know, de- defense was hit or miss sometimes, and his offensive game is rather limited. But nothing, nothing new to report necessarily here when it comes to the cons. Yeah, I mean, look, January and February were his two worst months. He actually shot a combined 57 of 159 over those two months, which is good for 
35.8%. Any other shooter in the league would be happy to shoot 36% for Ellington. That's, you know, obviously not to the level that he's capable of. It just speaks to how good he was during the rest of the season. And that, you know, even with those two quote unquote bad months, he was still able to be a pretty high volume shooter and a pretty efficient one at that. So I think we could see maybe there were some nagging injury issues there during January and February that kind of impacted him. Mm. Um, it's tough to say now. I don't remember that being reported at the time. But, you know, it, without those two months, he would have been well over 40% for the year. What do you think he has to work on then this summer? Is it just being a more nothing. consistent three-point shooter or nothing? Yeah, nothing. I really I can't see him. I don't know that there's another level for him, and I think he's maximized what he can do. Um I think he's just either going to get more or less touches depending on what team he plays for, whether it's Miami or elsewhere. But I think he's going to be able to do what he does best, which is just shoot and shoot and shoot and keep shooting, which is what you and I had talked about at the start of the year when our prediction for what we'd want most out of Ellington is for him to keep shooting. Focus on what you do best, man. That you're, That's your role on this team is to shoot. I mean, you'd like for him to be, again, like you said, a little bit more efficient in it. But, I mean, as far as the, the shooting volume is concerned, he did his part by far. I mean, to be, what was it, sixth most in attempts made, seventh yep. most in attempts taken. I mean, it, it was incredible. Um, that's all you can hope for right? a guy like Ellington. I would say the only thing that he needs to work on is just working with his agent to get him the best <laughs> deal possible at this point. We'll talk about that a little bit. But I'm looking at uh, his agent, who is um, Jim Tanner. A lot of three-point shooters that Jim Tanner has represented, including Ray Allen. Ooh. So, interesting uh Interesting little tidbit of information there. Um, but let's talk about that contract next. Um, and if the Heat should bring them back and what that would look like after this quick break. Back with Locked On Heat, continuing our Wayne Ellington exit interview. The big question about Ellington, David, is, look, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. Do the Heat make Wayne Ellington an offseason priority? It sounded like in his exit interview, Pat Riley with with the media said that they absolutely want Ellington back. Now that's not Riley's job necessarily. It's really Andy Ellisberg's job who worked some crazy cap gymnastics um, last summer to bring Wayne Ellington back and, and keep the heat under the luxury tax. That seems all but impossible to re-sign Wayne Ellington with the roster currently constructed the way it is and, and stay underneath the tax or between two to $3 million um, before they start having to pay the luxury tax, the heat are. So if they they have a couple of different options to sign Wayne Ellington, right? They could use his early bird rights, which they have. That would pay him $10.9 million a season, would put the Heat $8 million over the luxury tax, or they could use the mid-level exception, but that would still put Miami in the tax, and there's no guarantee that Ellington would even take that. He might get a better op- uh, offer somewhere else. But let's start with if the Heat should make Wayne Ellington an offseason priority because they're not going to bring him back at that kind of level. It would take them making other moves on the roster. Should they, should they, get, should they go down that road and make Ellington a priority this offseason? If it means trading a player on this roster to create a little bit more cap space so you can throw that at Ellington, and so long as you can keep it to... That's the whole part, right, is that we're expecting him to either stay at the status quo from this past season and the year before, perhaps a slight improvement, because we just don't think that there's much room for him to continue growing. Mm -hmm. So where do you place that skill set and how much do you value it for as far as like a contract is worth? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know that he's worth, again, worth is being such a relative term. I don't know that he's, you know, 
deserving of a $10 million contract per season. You know, that seems like an awful lot of money for a guy who's only going to shoot threes and that's all you expect out of him. Yeah. So if you can keep it to somewhere between eight to nine million, I think that's a little bit better and a little bit easier to swallow. If you can find a way to get him to say a three year, $27 million deal, or maybe 25 somewhere, 25 to $27 million per year. I think that's a lot more easy to swallow again. And I think that's within the realm of what Ellington's skill sets kind of are worth. Um, and But yes, I mean, absolutely. Again, you can't overstate how, how dedicated he's been to improving and, and being able to embrace what this team has asked from him. He's a good locker room guy. He's at team functions all the time. You know, he, he, he hangs out with his teammates off the floor. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a, a great you know, great trooper, great soldier for this team mm-hmm. that prides itself on, on developing guys like that. So you do whatever you can. I mean, the number of times that Spolstra and Pat Riley have spoken about what Ellington does and what he brings to the table, I don't know that anybody has gotten that kind of credit over the course of the last couple of seasons. Maybe James Johnson. Um, and, and going back before that, of course, obviously a guy like Dwayne Wade and everything that he's meant to this franchise. But but as far as like the embodiment of culture and everything else, I think Ellington is certainly a guy that you want to add to this team and keep on this team. And it's kind of interesting that you look at the guys that the Heat brought in the last you know two years ago that they signed to those one-year prove-it deals and then who ended up getting the long-term deals, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Tyler Johnson a year before that got the long-term deal. These guys who got those... Those contracts, Wayne Ellington is the one guy who didn't, and it, he just kind of seemed like the odd man out there, um, more likely because of his age and just sure. the you know the expected drop off that they're supposed to be. And He's that's why a two-year I, deal as opposed to a one-year deal, right? When, when, when that and that uh, 2015 season. So I just yeah, but they had to re-sign him this last year. Um, I I oh, don't. Yeah, that's kn- right. What am I talking about? Sorry. Um, but. $10.9 million is a lot of money for a guy at his age. And you look at where the, how the Heat got into the financial situation that they're in right now, bumping up, bumping up against a luxury tax for a team that really didn't compete a whole lot in the first round of the playoffs. Um, it, was, it was giving big deals like that to guys like Wayne Ellington. And unfortunately, as much as we love having Ellington here, and as much of a need he fills because... I think I, it was almost an understatement to say he's the Miami's best three-point shooter. He was like Miami's only three-point shooter when it comes to spacing the floor. They rely on him a lot, and you, I, it's he's a major need for the roster as it is currently built. But you can't pay him eleven million dollars a year. You just you can't. And and look, that's only if they use the early bird exception. But they could pay him some more something else, like you were saying, eight to nine million dollars for maybe two or three years. I still am hesitant to do that. Uh, I think that the Heat should probably look for a cheaper option there, and we'll talk about that next, but um, I just don't know that they should make him an offseason priority. Now, I'll, I'll say this. If it's... I wouldn't make I wouldn't make roster moves just with the intention of bringing back Wayne Ellington, but to me, that's almost like a secondary thing, like a like right. collateral damage of, of another move. Like, if you're trading Hassan Whiteside for this player... To move Hassan Whiteside, and you're able to save a little bit of money and bring Ellington back on a one-year deal. Yes, then you do it. Then you do it. But I'm not making. I'm not trading a player just just so that I can sign Wayne Ellington to a long-term contract. I you think wouldn't that's trade just, Bam Adebayo for a second-round pick just so you could sign Wayne Ellington to a long-term. Yeah, deal. I wouldn't exactly. Like I wouldn't do something like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Honestly, I wouldn't even trade. I don't. I don't know who else it would be, but like I wouldn't trade a Dion Waiters in order just to bring Wayne like for. 
like and hypothetically get zero dollars back in order to bring back Wayne Ellington, I would just that's a good point. Yeah. I would, like I said, I would have to be getting something else back. And if in if in trading that player and getting requisite value in return created enough space to re-sign Wayne Ellington, I'd do it. And at that point, I'm making my priority as far as you know the list of free agents that I have available. But I'm not making a move solely with the intention of just bringing Ellington back. No, it's um, interesting you bring up that point about waiters. Because, I mean, again, as we talked about in our previous podcast, I think, when we were discussing Andrew Wiggins or, or Tyler Johnson, um, you know, the fact that, you know, he, he, if he starts and plays the way that we expect him to be, what kind of role is left for Wayne Ellington? I mean, is he going to see a decrease in minutes? I mean, how much – if he's going to play less – how much are you willing to pay a guy with a limited skill set who's going to wind up playing even less and less, given that you have Tyler Johnson still under contract unless you're able to move him? And, you know, you've got Josh Richardson, who's probably ideally suited for the two position. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Dion Waiters playing a bulk of those minutes. You know, there's a, a certain glut there at the, the guard position. And I don't know if, if you want to bring back Ellington and just continue that, that same uh, glut at that position. It is. It kind of has this feel of take a step back to take a step forward. Yeah. Eventually, and unfortunately, Ellington might be in that sort of situation. Um, Having said that, go get paid. I mean, we're, we're yeah. all for it here. Yeah. I mean, you know, for a guy who's toiled for as long as he has, who who's largely considered to be out of the league at some point over the last couple of years, I think you know, if he has the opportunity to get paid wherever that might be, take it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that that's the other thing though is that this off season is going to be tough for guys. To yeah. get paid, there's not a whole lot of teams with cap space. The cap isn't jumping up a whole lot. Um, Ellington might be able to ink a long-term deal somewhere at seven or eight million. But we saw like what Lou Williams is getting paid, and and I would think most teams value that skill set more than Wayne Ellington's at this point. It, I don't know. I mean, I look at there's several teams who can use Wayne Ellington a lot. I mean, I off the top of my head, Indiana could really use him. Uh, Toronto good. could use Wayne Ellington. Milwaukee could use Wayne Ellington. I mean, there's a lot of guys who can use his skill set because they have the sort of drive and kick kind of interior game kind of all-stars that they could build around. Um, and Ellington fits that really nicely. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm with he's you. From, get he's from Philadelphia, go. right? He's from near the Philadelphia area. I mean, if, if Reddick's a free agent, do they make a play for Ellington and bring him yeah, up to Yeah, if, if Reddick's not willing to take the, the Philadelphia discount, maybe Ellington's willing to take a hometown discount. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. They could use him. Um, well, well, what if the Heat can't bring Ellington back? We'll talk about some backup plans in case that hap- in case that happens when we come back after this break. Back with Locked On Heat. If the Heat can't re-sign Wayne Ellington, David, what is the contingency plan? Because we we hinted at this in the last segment. Um, letting Ellington walk might be Miami's best option when it's all said and done, but they're going to have to replace that three-point shooting somehow. And I think you look at a guy, you you look to replace Wayne Ellington. With a guy who was in a similar situation to Ellington, what that Ellington was in two seasons ago when he first signed in Miami, right? A guy who you can sign to a minimum level contract, who on a prove it deal, who might have been a little bit of a journeyman and and is a good three point shooter and might just need a little bit of buffing and coaching and and just you know fixing around the edges. There are, I just I don't know if the Heat can really afford anybody above the minimum level, right? Like so. You know, I don't know that they could go out and get a Marco Bellinelli, right, to replace Wayne Ellington. Or you know, or, I I see Bellinelli strikes me as as a a minimum level type guy. Like I, I know he's probably his skill and his experience probably prices him out of that range. 
But I don't know that a lot of teams around the league are saying, I can't wait to throw $7 million a year at Marco Bellinelli. And if that's the case, then Bellinelli should absolutely be a target for the Heat. No. Because I said that they, he should have been a target for the Heat at the Yes, I know he killed us in the playoffs, but I'm sick of those those garbage tattoos staring <laughs> back at me. I don't want him. I, you know, he pissed me off so much in that Philadelphia series. I don't Not want him it. anywhere near this team. Well, I got a list of other guys that you might be interested in. Okay. You've brought this one up before, but Nick Stauskas? Yes. He's my choice. I think he's the guy that has those skills that is, you know, underwhelming as far as his overall athleticism is concerned. Although, of course, he's an NBA-level player. So um, he, he's, he's certainly capable of playing at this level. It's just he needs that opportunity. He needs good coaching. He's been part of some pretty bad teams. Um, you know, he was a star at Michigan. There's a chance for him to take it to that level, I think. And, and if you find a team that can maximize what he does, I think, you know, that's a, that's a good opportunity for him. And you can probably get him on the cheap. You know, obviously, a guy like Joe Harris, I think, from Brooklyn is a guy that a lot of teams would want. But he's probably played well enough to price himself out of Miami's range. Yeah, yeah he'll probably Joe Harris will probably make more money than Ellington at this point just because he's got that upside factor that that's people might be willing to pay for. But uh, you're right. He was... People might say, well, if he couldn't get an opportunity in Brooklyn, how could he get an opportunity? Brooklyn was deep with guards. I mean, they they were playing D'Angelo Russell a lot of the season Spencer before he got hurt. Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie was the starting point guard there. And then on the wing, they had Alan Crabb. They had Chris Levert, who had, or Karis Levert, who had a great year for them. Joe Harris, who was uh, ahead of Stauskas in the rotation there, um, started a few games for them. They had guys that just played over Stauskas and Miami. They're going to have guys when Waiters comes back, and you can play Richardson at the two as well. And I think Stauskas is a good opportunity, is a good option to just come off the bench, pay him at the minimum. You don't have to worry about the salary cap to pay him at the minimum. Um, And just bring him off the bench. He's not going to play as many minutes as Ellington, won't be relied on as much as Ellington. But if you need somebody to be a three point shooter off the bench for you, he does make a little bit of sense there. Uh, Other options, Nick Young. I'm just I'm saying, I'm giving you're not gonna like any of these, Nick no. Young, Jason Terry. Sure, I I prefer him over Nick Young to be honest with you. Jordan Crawford. Nope. Richard Jefferson. Ooh. Jose Calderon. These are all guys who can kind of come in and make a three pointer. Now Calderon, I I think you know obviously you're not expecting too much out of him, and he's not he's not solely a kind of a shooter at this point. I think he's still a little undersized. Yeah. But for a locker room that was as bad as Cleveland's was, you never heard a negative thing about Calderon. He was a guy that everybody on this team, even the guys that were traded away in February, appreciated. Like he was super professional at every opportunity, whether he was playing, whether he wasn't playing. He was a guy that was a solid locker room presence. I saw that up close in the Cleveland locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest with you, I, I think that's not a bad choice. Now, I don't know. At this point in his career, why he'd want to come to a team like Miami, why he wouldn't want to re-sign in Cleveland if they have that opportunity or if they're still contending next year. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a better option than some of those other guys you listed, I think. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think... I'm, I'm with you. I, I like I like the Calderon idea also because he fills in a point guard position that yes. could be of need. Um, Miami, they got a little bit of use out of Derek Walton Jr., but the nature of him being on the two-way deal, you couldn't play him as much. They were a little limited to what they needed to do. Um, and if you're not trusting necessarily Tyler Johnson to be your backup point guard, and if you want to play Justice Winslow off ball a little bit more, if you're not really committed to him playing backup point guard for you, it helps to maybe have a guy like Calderon who has a secondary, uh, the second or a primary purpose of being a three point shooter and a secondary purpose of being able to handle the ball for you a little bit. Now, I'm surprised you didn't mention 
former University of Central Florida superstar. Matt Williams. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about guys on the roster. You're right. Um, I don't have them listed here in our show notes, but uh, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Guys that are on the roster right now who could replace Ellington if they don't want to if the Heat don't want to go the free agency route. Matt Williams on that two way deal, uh, or was on the two way deal before he got uh, waived and then sent back to Sioux Falls in favor of Derek Jones Jr. I don't know. Does Matt Williams take enough of a step this summer to? prove that he's ready for Miami. I think they're still invested in him a little bit. Just, you know, they want to see what he can do. Um, he does make some sense. The other guy that makes some sense is Rodney Magruder. Mm. Coming back from injury late in the season, we know that he's a, uh, he's improved as a three-point shooter. He's a little bit better of a defender, or definitely a better defender than Wayne Ellington. Gives you yeah. a little bit more on the glass and, and doing some of these little in-between winning plays that Eric Spolster likes so much. To me, he is the realistic option there because none of these free agents even if you sign one of them isn't necessarily going to replace one Ellington I think Magruder can actually take Ellington's minutes it doesn't give you the same thing that Ellington does as far as coming off of screens and you can't run the Ray Allen playbook for Rodney Magruder but he does give you other things that Ellington didn't so he switches up the style a little bit more um but if you're going to give those minutes to somebody I think it's Magruder yeah I mean we we, we talked about that once he finally did come back we thought he might be an x-factor in the playoffs maybe a guy who got some more playing time I don't know if the, the the same skills are going to be there, but I mean, if it's something he can incorporate, he just doesn't strike me as being the kind of guy. He doesn't seem mobile or agile enough to duplicate what Ellington does so well right. coming off screens. But maybe it's something he can work on over the off season, and maybe with some time and some more practice in that capacity, maybe he'll become that. I don't know. Maybe he could just be a more of a classic catch and shoot type guy rather than uh, you know a curler and screener the way that uh, Ellington is. So. They do need that curl and screener, though, to play with Olenek, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And Those that's, dribble handoffs uh, were such a, a vital part of the Heat offense for so long. They did some... When Ellington wasn't on the floor, they would run those plays pretty often for Tyler Johnson, who obviously wasn't as good at it. Right. But I wonder if not having Ellington there, um, maybe you thrust Tyler Johnson in that role and almost, you know, you dare him and challenge him to basically replicate that. And maybe that... And you bring him off the bench in that Ellington role. Yeah, with a different with a healthy shooting guard to start in his place, I think Tyler Johnson might be an option there as well to almost replace Ellington. If you're looking to find ways to use him and his 19 million dollars, maybe you just look. Hey, look, let's cut bait on Ellington. We're not going to bring him back. We've got a guy here that we're paying 19 million dollars to, who has proven himself to be a spark off the bench, which Ellington was for Miami. He can do a few different. He can do more things with the ball in his hands than Ellington can. He's a little bit more versatile. Might not be the three-point shooter there, but he's used to the playbook. He's, he We ran the plays with him before, and we can challenge him to step up his game from three-point range. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I know this is one of the names that we mentioned already, but you know, Stauskas is a guy who was supposed to participate in uh, you know Team Canada this summer, and Kelly Olenek is going to be a part of that. Ooh. I was wondering, yeah, yeah, that would have been a great opportunity for Olenek to do some recruiting. But uh, it seems like Stauskas does not want to participate. I don't know for what reason. It hasn't been fully reported yet, but he's not going to be joining Team Canada this summer. Maybe he's going to be working on his game in Miami. Ooh, <laughs> that would be great. That would be nice. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a in Canadian, From a Canadian to, to go all the way to Miami. Like, I mean, Olenek stands out on many, many ways <laughs> you know, as a Miamian. I don't know that Stauskas would uh, would blend in as easily he's, either. So maybe he's a trailblazer. Maybe Olenek is just like he's blazing the trail for plenty of Canadians. Nick Stauskas, Andrew Wiggins, Ooh, Team Canada in the house. 
right, let's end there. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. Send us your questions and comments by emailing us at lockedonheat at gmail.com or using the hashtag AskLOHeat. And support the show by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash lockedonheat. Music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.